right. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, this is going to be our welcome song. Y'all wave at one another from across the way or whatever you need to do. And uh, sing along with us. hearts of all people both near and afar Christmas everywhere feel the love of the season wherever you are on a small country road sign with green mistletoe big city streets where a thousand lights glow let it be Christmas everywhere let heavenly music fill the air let every heart sing let every bell ring the story of hope and joy and peace and let it be christmas everywhere let heavenly music fill the air let anger and fear and hate disappear let there be love that lasts through the year and let it be christmas christmas everywhere be Christmas everywhere. With the gold and the silver, the green and the red Christmas everywhere. With the smiles of young ladies asleep in their beds in the eyes of young babies, their first falling snow. Elderly memories that never grow old. Let it be Christmas everywhere. Let heavenly let every heart sing, let every bell ring, the story of hope and joy and peace. And let it be Christmas everywhere, let heavenly music fill the air. Let anger and fear and hate disappear, let there be love that lasts through the year. And let it be Christmas, Christmas everywhere. songs that we sing and the gifts that we bring Christmas everywhere and what this day means and what we believe from the sandy white beaches where blue water roll snow covered mountains and valleys below let it be Christmas everywhere let heavenly music fill the air let every heart sing let every bell ring the story of hope and joy and peace and let it be Christmas everywhere let heavenly music fill the air let anger and fear and hate disappear let there be love that lasts through the year and let it be Christmas Christmas everywhere Christmas everywhere Everywhere. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, it could be Christmas right here, can it? And everywhere else would be nice too. I just enjoy um, the Christmas season as I was sharing last Sunday, just um, everything that comes with it. And so what a great way to start our service this morning. Um, and, and let it be a love that lasts through the year, not just something we experience right now, but something that lasts, um, something that, that uh, where the Holy Spirit comes in and, and dwells with us and in us and, and changes our hearts and gives us a spirit of love. And, and uh, that's what I want. Is that where you all are? Amen. I got a couple announcements this morning. Uh, first off, Sunday school and the rest of the kids ministry, we're looking at resuming January 10th. And the reason we're looking at January 10th is just give a little bit of time after the holidays, people gathering together. And so we're looking at hopefully bringing that um, back together. We're really excited about our groups joining back. And so if you don't have a Sunday school class, um, I really encourage you that time to be um, looking and come and, and enjoy some fellowship with one another. And so January 10th, and then this month through December, as we do every year, it's Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, something we do as Southern Baptist. It's a way we support all of our missionaries. And so um, they really rely on this offering. And I know this year is a tough year financially for a lot of people. And so I, I imagine um, it, it's going to be a tough year for all of our givings and our offerings and things. And so if you can sacrificially give toward uh, um, the Lottie Moon and support our missionaries, we really encourage you to do that. We don't have the envelopes right now. If you just take one of the envelopes and write Lottie or Moon or whatever you want to write on there and uh, get that, uh, we'll make sure it gets uh, to the right place. Another thing is on Sunday nights, we're doing what we're calling standing in the gaps for our families. And this Sunday night, of course, is business meeting, but uh, expect it to go pretty fast and, and a brief meeting. And then we'll continue to pray for our families. Um, and, and this has just been such a blessing. Last Sunday, um, we, we, had, uh, the, we started this last Sunday night and we had these families we were praying for. And this week, um, by the providence of God, they've had some struggles. They've had some things that come up that excuse me, some things that have come up and really have been hard on the family. And so I just uh, want you to know that God's hands in absolutely everything. Can you turn this on? Sorry. Check, 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 check. Anyways, I think you can hear me pretty loud if I talk loud. There we go. But I want us to understand that God's providence is always at work. And those names that we've decided to pray for that week, um, God knew what was going to go on in those families' lives this week. And so to be able to pray and have people reach out this week has been such a blessing to see God's hand work in that. And so continue to pray for those families. We'll have some new families tonight. So I hope you would take advantage of coming tonight and standing in the gaps for our families because God's providentially at work in those families. Um, and then we have our Christmas Eve service coming up on Christmas Eve at 4 p.m. It'll just be a short service, 4 to 4.30. Go ahead and start planning with your family, seeing uh, who's in town that they can come and, and join with us for that special service. And so let's just go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, um, Lord. God, I thank you for who you are. And Lord, I, I just ask that um, that is made known today. Lord, as we've been going through this uh, series, Lord, that's exactly what we're looking at is who you are, God. Last week, looking at the wonderful counselor that you are. And Lord, how we all need that counsel. And I pray for help with that, Lord, that we would yield and, and seek your counsel, God, and that we would obey it, Lord. And Lord, today we get to see that you're a mighty God. Lord, we need the mightiness of Jesus in our world today. We need the mightiness of Jesus in our, our families, and our own personal walks right now, Lord, with everything going on and with the seasons and, and, and Christmas time and the grief and all the things that come with that. God, I pray for the mightiness of Jesus to overpower all those um, struggles and difficulties we face, Lord. Lord, let us seek you this morning and just see how mighty you are. 
We love you, Lord, and it's in the name of Christ we pray all of this, worshiping you, enjoying uh, the, the presence of your spirit, and exalting the name of Jesus. And we do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, this is our birthday and anniversary song. If you had a birthday, come see us. Heart the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations cry, join the triumph of the sky. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. All right, well nobody come up, but maybe if somebody's, oh, who? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but you was hiding on my bad eyesight. How old are you? Really? All right. Big whopping six years old right here. All right. Now don't run off. We're going to sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. She's tried to act embarrassed. It's probably because she's standing by me, but happy birthday anyway, bud. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing choirs of angels, sing in exultation. Oh, sing the host of heaven above. Glory to God, glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we greet Thee, born this happy morning, Jesus, to Thee be all glory. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, oh, come, 
adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. All right, well, this is kind of our offertory song. Huh? Turn you down? Y'all are wearing me out. Whenever you're ready, Lisa.
David, would you lead us in a prayer, please? Father, thank you, Lord, for letting us all be here today on this nice rainy day. It's a rainy day outside, but the sun is shining here. And we thank you for it, Lord, for blessing us so much. Please, Lord, bless us indeed. Shower your blessing down upon us. Heal our nation. Watch over us all, Lord, and thank you for so much. I do love you, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
coming back again. Messiah, Messiah, a baby born to save us all. Messiah, Messiah, on our knees we hope as you're singing those songs and you think about the names of Christ, I hope you have an appreciation for this baby that we celebrate coming, uh, the, the babe Jesus, the child Jesus who grows and, and we know the ministry of Christ and we know uh, the, the end of Christ, but it's just special to slow down and, and, and think about the manger. And the one that lied in the manger. If you were here uh, last week, you know we started our Christmas series. We're looking at the names of the born child. And I, I kind of feel like I'm a, a dog in a cage up here without my mic. But we're working on trying to get a mic fixed. But just bear with me. I think when I watch that video and I see these names of Christ, I'm overwhelmed. Because when I'm watching and, and seeing the different names, I see just the way that he was that very name in my life. When when I see Defender, I think about the way He defends me. And when I see the name Redeemer, I think about the way He redeemed me. And Savior, the way He saved me. And when we come to this name, a mighty God, I hope that we're able to think about just how mighty He is. We are looking at the greatest birth announcement there ever was. 
It was given 700 years before Christ. It comes in Isaiah chapter 9. It's verse 6. And it says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And so this beautiful verse of this announcing of a child, it says the government will be on his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. As you think about those names, we're toning in, we're zooming in to the second part of This idea of mighty God. And so let's just pray this morning. Father God, Lord, I ask for the revelation of Christ to be made today, Lord. Lord, I know you've been revealed to many of us in here, God. Many different times and many different ways. But Lord, what's, what, what if we could just have one more this morning? Lord, a way you just reveal yourself to us, God. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit does that for us, Lord. Not for our glory, not for our experience, not for us to get out of here and say, man, that was a good message, that was a good time at church. But Father, to redeem and restore and rescue us from from the wickedness of this world, Lord, and the, the wickedness of our own hearts, God, transform our hearts this morning, Lord. Show us the mightiness of God, of who you are, Lord. God, I pray that we would leave here rejoicing by seeing you, by hearing you, by feeling you, by knowing you, Lord. God, this birth announcement given 700 years before Christ, 2,700 years ago, Lord. Lord, it held much power and gave much hope. And I pray today we see that hope still yet. Lord, we love you and it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So as this announcement was given 700 years before Christ, there's something that was going on in the book of Isaiah. Well, not the book of Isaiah, but was going on at the time that the book of Isaiah was written. And you've got to understand the context sometimes when you're looking at these, especially even the prophecies or even any of the Old Testament. So when it talks about this, you remember last week we read about, um, I don't know, the first six verses right before this verse. And we saw how it was talking about this war and it was talking about a peace that's going to come. In fact, it said you could burn the sandals and all the war clothes. You can take and burn them because there's going to be peace in the world. And then we got this announcement of this Prince of Peace that's to come. And and so as you think about this, let me help you with understanding the context a little bit. Uh, There was an enemy, um, it was the Syrians, and they were coming in on the north side and the east side of Israel at this time as Isaiah is writing this. And so you think about this enemy coming in, they they were really just making havoc. They were coming in, stealing everything they had, every plant, everything they were trying to eat, their their livestock, they were raiding their homes. Literally, they were coming in and taking advantage of whatever they wanted to do. And we see this announcement that Isaiah gives, that God gives through Isaiah. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. Government will be on his shoulders. His name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This announcement gave hope. God says, don't be afraid. He says, hold on. There's joy in the morning. There's joy coming. There's hope. There's stability. There's there's peace coming. The only thing is, he says, it's not the way you anticipated it. It's, in fact, it's not a way that you would ever anticipate. It's coming through a child. Through one that will be born as a child, as a son. A child who, who will lead you. The government will be on his shoulders. A child that will be like this. And he gives these names. The Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So let's zoom in on the second one this morning. Mighty God, I pray that this morning you will experience the mightiness of God. 
And so as you do that, I pray that it wouldn't only just affect you here in your mind as you think about who God is and, and what He's like. I pray that it affects you in your heart because the Spirit's at work there. And I pray that it would change not just um, your mindset and your heart, but that it would change your life. It would change the season for you and change everything about how we view everything when we understand the mightiness of God. And so the first point this morning is that the name of the born child is Mighty, Mighty God. Straightforward this morning. The name of this child to be coming, this announced child, is Mighty, Mighty God. He will be called Mighty God. And this is kind of a paradox, if you will. I mean, think about this. You have a child that is coming. When I think of a child, I think of, of someone that's dependent. Wouldn't you say so? When you think about especially an infant coming... Oh, we're looking at maybe getting an infant. We don't know if we'll get an infant during this foster care uh, process or not. But I'm telling you what, that scares me to pieces. And well, things are so fragile. They're, they just feel like they're going to break every way you move them. And, and uh, I, someone told me God made them out of rubber for a reason. Um, I, I don't know. It, there's something that terrifies me. They just seem so weak, so fragile, so limber and they're really um, defenseless. They're, they can't communicate themselves. They can't defend themselves. They, they can't clothe themselves. They can't eat themselves. They can't do anything themselves. You're literally right there completely responsible. And God says, hey, by the way, this child that I'm sending you, this baby that will be in a manger is the almighty God. Do what? I mean, imagine hearing that. You're literally listening to Isaiah. I think we get so tuned to these things, they just feel natural or something. But this is not natural. A baby's coming that will be almighty God, that will literally be mighty. <sighs> this is the Christmas message. It's the baby being born in the manger. It's, it's the one that comes to change the world. It's the one that God prophesied that, that would come and not only be mighty, but he would do something very mighty. So as we think about that, I want us to go back to this time of, of this prophecy. Actually, a time before this prophecy. This is 700 years before Christ. Let's think back to way before that. And there was a time in, in which it's recorded in Judges. If you want to go ahead and take your Bibles and go to Judges chapter 6. I'll have it on the screen too. But Judges chapter 6. And I want us to turn there and I want us to think about something that they were facing before. Um, this, the, there was another unconquerable enemy. And it'll sound familiar. This enemy was, was coming in and, and they were the Midnights. They, they were um, no way of destroying them. Literally, Israel was left hopeless. They were left with, without hope, it felt like, because this group of people, the Midnights, were so strong. They had so many resources. They, they, the, the size of them was even bigger. And so it just seemed like they were a superior power to them. And, and so the Israelites did what many of uh, me and you do, I think. They tried and they tried and they tried and they tried and they tried again in their own power and realized that they can't do it. And they cried out for a deliverer. They cried out for one to rescue them. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And then it's like all of a sudden I realize, man, as hard as I'm trying, I'm not getting anywhere. Lord, help me. That's what happens here. In fact, Judges chapter 6, and we see the Lord responds in a unique way. Let's just go ahead and read the first several verses. Judges chapter 6, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. 
Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. This was a pattern at that time. And so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midnights, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, the, the strongholds which are in the mountains. And so it was, whenever Israel had sown, the Midnights would come up, and also the Amalekites. And so the people would, of the east would come up against them. And then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they, they would enter in the land to destroy it. And so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midnights. And so the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, I could keep reading, but it, this story actually spans on a couple chapters, and so I'm just going to kind of sum it up for you to get us to where we are. They cry out. They say, we need help. We need a deliverer. And so God answers that, and he brings and sends about a redeemer, a restorer, someone that's going to deliver them out of this, and his name was Gideon. And now that name probably sounds a little familiar because there's a big Bible story that comes with Gideon. That's what we're getting at. But at this point, you've got to imagine Gideon for a second with me. Here he is, just some random uh, guy, low on the totem pole kind of guy. And God says, hey, I'm going to use you to defeat the Midians. The Midians, that's right, Sam. <laughs> I'm going to use you to defeat them. In fact, it says in verse 12, he calls him, he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord calls him a mighty warrior. And Gideon's response is, mighty warrior? What do you mean? Kind of like Moses, who am I? And he actually goes on, he says, how can I save Israel? He says, my clan is the weakest, I'm the least of my family, he says. And so he's going through this, but what God was up to was something special. God was not about showing the power, the might of Gideon. God was about showing his might and his power, right? And so that's why the strangest thing happens next. God doesn't tell Gideon, take who you have and go and you'll do good. He says, no, we're going to dwindle you down even more. You know the story. It goes from thousands of people. He says, no, dwindle them down. Go make them drink water. The ones that drink like a dog. He says, those, them men will be the ones that fight. And so that ends up being 300 of them. And they're about to attack an army of 120,000 soldiers. 300 against 120,000. And so I'm sure Gideon's like, oh, <laughs> You call me mighty Lord? I. <laughs> but the Lord wasn't about showing his might. He was about showing himself and his might, God's might. So as you think about this, what happens is kind of funny too. They, they don't even get a chance to, to train. You know, with those 300 men, you would have think God said, go train them, tell them exactly what we're going to do. No, God wakes them up that night and says, hey, this night's the night. And so literally right after they're chosen, they go to fight this fight. And the Lord delivers them, never again to be messed with by the Midnights. A 300 win. He was doing something great through something small. And I want that to sink in this morning, church. God was doing something great through something small. You know, um, I think sometimes we get to thinking about our own lives and our own situations. And sometimes I think we can think, well, that's just a small thing. It's just something small that's going on here. Or, or we can look at our church and just say, we're just kind of a small church in, in Blackfoot, Texas. Or we can, we can say, we're just kind of small people in the midst of the big grand scheme of the world. But I want you to hear me loud and clear. God does something great through something small. 
Last week, we learned the original language of the wonderful counselor in the Hebrew. And so this week, I wanted to give you the Hebrew for mighty God. And there's a purpose for that. There's a reason. And so the Hebrew is El Gibor. I want you all to say that with me. So El Gibor is the word. On the count of three, I want you to say El Gibor. One, two, three. El Gibor. We're in Israel. You are speaking fluent Hebrewese. El Gibor. That's two different words. El is this word that's, that's really um, the noun, and Gibor is the word that's the adjective explaining it, and El is the shortened form of Elohim. And actually, when you heard Mark singing a while ago, hallelujah, you probably saw that word on the screen. It was at the top right almost, and it said Elohim. That word is a word for the title of God. It means God. It's his title. And it's, it's something that's used over and over again to, to express. And when we're talking about God, it's used in the Old Testament. Elohim, over and over again. It's used with other things at times. But this idea of this is a shortened form of Elohim. And this was his title. In fact, it's the very, very first time it's used is in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is Elohim. In the beginning, this, this one with all power, this supreme power, this supreme ruler, this judge, this one... That is sovereign is the idea of this word Elohim. And so this one created the heavens and the earth. It's like a title kind of like my title would be preacher. You, call, you say preacher Jerry or brother Jerry. That's my title. In a way, that's God's title. That's, when we just say preacher, you're referring to me. Miss Essie always says, hey preacher. She never uses my name. Hey preacher. And she's referring to me. I know it. It's my title. That's the same way when we say God, we're referring to his title. In fact, he gives us his personal name later on. If you read the story with Moses, he says, I am who I am. Yahweh. That's his personal name. But here we see the title. And I'm bringing this out because there's differences in the names of God. When you look at this, the El, usually when it's used to shorten uh, the version of Elohim, it means mighty one. In fact, your translations might even translate it that way at times, the mighty one. So when you see El, sometimes it's like God Almighty, Almighty God, this idea of the mighty one. And so you have that idea, but then you get into, which is really interesting because the word Gibor means mighty. And so what is Isaiah really saying here? Isaiah is literally saying, this name of this child will be Mighty, Mighty God. Mighty, Mighty One. This mighty, it's, it's this emphasis on His mighty. And so the second point leads me right into it. The second point is, this Jesus child was for sure the Mighty, Mighty God. As we look at the stories of Christ, there's no doubt to stop and say, wow, what a Mighty One. And so let's just look at a few as we think about this again. Go back to the idea that God is doing something great with something small. And Isaiah's announcement, that's exactly what God was up to. He's saying something's coming. It may be small. It may be a child. But the government will set on his shoulders. And you think about this. This is hard for people to understand, though. Wouldn't it be hard for you to understand if Isaiah was speaking to you? And he said, hey, a deliverer's coming. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, wonderful Counselor. But he's a baby. I think, what are you talking about, Isaiah? And, and, but that's been God's plan A since the beginning, right? It said from the very beginning in Genesis 3.15 that he'd come from an offspring of a woman, an offspring of Eve. And so, so it's been the plan since the beginning. In fact, there's, before Jesus could even walk, he fulfilled 12 of the prophecies about himself. Before he could even walk. Ten of them in the womb of Mary. <laughs> Let that sink in for a moment, that he fulfilled 
12, before he could even walk. The Bible says in Genesis 3, the offspring of a woman. In Isaiah 7, 14, from a virgin. In Psalms 2, 7, it says the son of God it'll be. And then Genesis 22, 18, the descendant of Abraham. Genesis 21, 12, from the line of Isaac. Numbers 24, the nation of Israel, from that nation. Genesis 49, from the tribe of Judah. Isaiah 11, from the family of Jesse. Jeremiah 23, from the house of David. Micah says in Bethlehem it'll happen. Psalm 72 says, presented with gifts. And Jeremiah says that even children will be killed at this time. I mean, every one of them, before the boy could even walk, Jesus fulfilled all of these. And just to put that in, in kind of thought, we actually, um, me and Jared, when we were doing Sunday school online, uh, read an illustration that went along with this. And it's from a, a scientist. His name is Stoner. And I, I don't think that has anything to do with his, his work. He was really smart and, and he, he was mathematical and statistic. And so he, he got together and put this all together of what it would be, with the possibility it would take for one person to fulfill just eight prophecies from the Old Testament. One person just to fulfill eight. And so he put a number on this. And, and I know that we can look at this how you will, but just the idea, let this sink in for a moment. Just for the possibility of one person fulfilling even eight prophecies, the probability is one and 10 to the 17th, that is 100 quadrillion. One and 100 quadrillion is the possibility of someone fulfilling just eight prophecies. You know, Jesus grew up and fulfilled over 300 of those prophecies. And I think about apologetics sometimes, and, and I know that's a large number. That's 17 zeros. And as you think about that, he, he went on, and the illustration from Sunday school was he said, let's just put a, a way to recognize this number. He said, take a silver dollar and get 100 quadrillion of them, <laughs> more than our national treasury, <laughs> 100 quadrillion silver dollars, and you take them and put them over every square inch of Texas. And he says, it will cover every square inch, and in fact, it will cover it up to two feet. And so everywhere we're walking, even in Blackfoot, Texas, we'd be walking in two feet of silver dollars. And he said, now take and mark one of those silver dollars, throw it in one of the counties, swirl it all up to where it goes through all the different counties, and then put a blindfold on somebody, go out and walk and pick one up and see if you find it. That's the probability of one fulfilling eight prophecies, and Jesus fulfilled over 300 of them. Sounds pretty mighty to me, wouldn't you say? Oh, I think about um, all the people that marveled at Jesus. As you read the, the Gospels over and over again, it says they marveled at him. They, they were amazed at him. In fact, um, even the, the scoffers would scoff at him because he was breaking natural laws. And, and I mean, that's what a miracle is, right? When you break a natural law, it's not supposed to naturally happen. That's why it's miraculous. But that's nothing for a God who invented the laws. Right, he's mighty. Everywhere he went, it was a miraculous. One time, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles there. Matthew chapter 14, if you'd like to follow along. I'll try to have them on the screen too. But Matthew chapter 14, we get another story of, of some pretty miraculous stuff from Jesus. In fact, when you see this start off, Jesus got some bad news. He got some news that his, his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. 
That's how this passage starts off that I want to read. And, and, and he was beheaded, and, and it says that immediately Jesus went out, and, and, and he was going to uh, um, remove himself and, and probably mourn and grieve a little bit, I imagine, to seek the Heavenly Father in this, because this was his cousin. He lost his cousin, literally, not just any kind of losing, but he was murdered. One of the king's wives had his head beheaded and put on a platter. And, and so Jesus gets news of this. Jesus removes himself, and he's going to pray. But it says that there were some that heard about it. They followed him. And then as he gets to the seashore, there's a large crowd. And so here's Jesus struggling through this. And I want to just pause there and think about it. Man, I know during Christmas and the holidays are so hard with grief. May it give you some, some comfort knowing that Jesus himself was even grieving. Even though he knew 100% the plan of his father, he knew, he trusted him 100%. But he still wanted to remove himself, be alone for that time. But it didn't happen. People came. He saw him and it said that he had compassion on them. And he ends up teaching and uh, uh, healing them, it says. And then that's where we get the feeding of the 5,000. Y'all realize that feeding comes right after Jesus got news about his cousin being beheaded it comes he was worried about them and so his solution he finds the little boy that has a lunchbox and he takes the five loaves and the two fish and he multiplies them in fact it says it in verse 19 Matthew 14 verse 19 it says then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes and so that all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained and now those who had eaten were about 5000 men besides women and children church i think that's only something a mighty mighty god can do i mean Probably talking fifteen to 25,000 people when you include the women and the children. And he takes and he gives them food continuously, however long that would take. How long do you think it would take for Jesus to continue to break <laughs> and feed all of those people? And then afterwards, he goes to be alone again. He takes his disciples who were weary and he puts them in a boat, sends them on the Sea of Galilee, and he goes on top of a mountain to pray. Again, probably the same intention he had at the beginning. After hearing the news, he immediately goes and he's seeking the Lord. And he spends just about all night in a prayer meeting with, the, with his Heavenly Father. It says 3 a.m. he decides to, to go and meet back up with the disciples. And at 3 a.m. he starts walking on the water because he doesn't have a boat. Sounds pretty mighty to me, doesn't it? He starts walking on the water to meet the disciples. And while he's there, the winds and everything starts roaring. And then we get this, this story. And I want to just read it straight from the Scripture. Still Matthew 14. Go to verse 26. If you're there, say amen. amen. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, Save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when, you, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, 
you are the Son of God. I always love this passage. I think we get so caught up on Peter's doubt sometimes, but he's the one that stepped out of the boat. He's the one that said, Lord, if it is you, call me. I think a lot of us um, may get there sometime in our life. We say, Lord, if it is you, call me. And, and then we hear God's call. And like Gideon, if you read the passage with Gideon, Gideon says, Lord, I think this is you, but to make sure I'm going to put a fleece out. And then if it's wet and the ground is not wet, then I know it's you. And God did it. And the next day he goes, um, Lord, I don't know if I really heard you. Please don't be angry. He says, don't be angry with me. He puts another fleece out. And he says, this time, make it wet and the ground dry. Let's, let's flip it around. And it does. He says, okay, let's go. <laughs> I think us, church, um, sometimes we step out of the boat. We hear the call and we start walking. But we, too, see the winds and we, too, struggle sometimes. But I think the important part of this passage is when Peter yells, Lord, save me. Even in the midst of the doubt, he says, Lord, save me. Save me. He recognized he knew who the Lord was. Sounds pretty miraculous, pretty mighty, powerful stuff here. He fed 15,000 or so, walked on water, empowered someone else to walk on water, calmed the storm. Pretty powerful stuff. Something that started so small, now doing something so great. And we think about this 2,000 years ago, this miraculous and mighty one being born in the manger. And we walk through the Gospels, we can see the mightiness of God. But my third point that I really want to get to this morning is that this mighty, mighty one is still at work today. Sometimes we forget that, church. We look at the stories of Scripture, we get so excited, we're renewed and we're refreshed and we're just so amazed by the God that's in the the Scriptures. and, And I'm so thankful for that. But he gave us this to reveal himself to us as we walk daily with him so that we can see him daily still yet. He works. He's working today in our lives. And I want to ask this question is what are the great forces coming after you as you think about the winds coming after them? What's the winds coming after you today? Let's get some application here this morning. What's, what is it that you're facing? What's, what's making you start to fear and be afraid And I think it could be anything. Is it unemployment? At this time, we have lots of people unemployed. And that's a a real blow. That's a real uh, torturous wind that blows at us. What about the, the fear? We sing that song, Fear is a Liar. I think fear so often is something that 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 blows and cripples us. Is it some temptation? That's a force in your life. Maybe it's a substance or a relationship or something that that we know that we we shouldn't have and we're struggling with it. We're crossing the line and we we can't get it figured out. And it feels like it's just conquering you. Maybe it's self-doubt or discouragement or depression or anxiety or weakness, health, whatever it may be. What is it that's taken and rattling your boat this morning? And then what do we do with that? I believe one of the reasons that this announcement came so early for Isaiah was he's sharing it with the people 700 years early is because God was preparing them for his mighty hand. He's preparing them for his mighty hand. In fact, Peter, the one that walks on water, he writes a letter, 1 Peter, and he shares some words that I wanted us to hear. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, and I got it on the screen here, I think. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 is what it says here. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up or exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety or your cares on him because he cares for you. How do we find ourselves under God's mighty hand? Because I think it's clear. We've walked through it this morning. God has a mighty hand. Can I hear amen? He has it. He's got a mighty hand that he wants to place you under. He has one. In fact, he has two. Are you under it? Do you feel like you're under the shroud of of God's hand? And how do we get there? Well, listen to what he says. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand. The first way we get to God's mighty hand and get under it is by humility. By humbling ourselves. We've got to admit that we're not as mighty as we think we are, church. I really mean that. We are the most stubbornest people sometimes, aren't we, church? And that stubborn forces us into this place of of this proud strength that we portray, this proud mightiness that we we show, and 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 it's it's it gets out of hand sometimes. And so, how do we how do we find ourselves under God's hand? Well, we get out from under our own hand. We humble ourselves. One of the reasons I, I think we struggle with true worship so much is because we're too proud. I believe that with all my heart. I think if we're struggling with true worship, I think it's because we are too prideful. We've got to get and let ourselves out of the situation and and seek God and exalt Him. And and, and we struggle when we keep seeing ourselves in front of that. We see that God is on the throne and we remove ourselves from that place. Humble yourselves. But not only humble yourselves, it says cast your cares on Him or cast your anxiety on Him for He cares for you. Tell him about the storms in your life. Cast them on him. Don't hold them. He wants to show that he's mighty, not that you're mighty. He's the mighty one. And this is, 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 comes from humility, too. This isn't just something we pray and we say, God, you know how much is against me. I can't handle anything else. You know I can't, and I deserve something different than this. Lord, would you help me? That's not the heart of this prayer. The heart of this prayer is, Lord, I'm honestly sinking and it might be from my own doubt or the, this winds or whatever it is, but I am sinking. Lord, save me. I can't do this apart from you. I want you, Jesus. Those are two different prayers, church. One is from a place of humility and one's from a place of pride. Humble yourselves and cast your cares on him. These are two easy things to say, and I'm saying them pretty boldly up here this morning. To humble yourselves and cast your cares on him. But I want you to hear me loud and clear. These are not easy things. They're not easy. And if I'm being 100% honest with you, they're things that I struggle with. I think we all struggle with humility and and casting our cares on Him. It's kind of ironic how difficult this is. Because how do we do that? We put ourselves to the side. Yes, we put ourselves to the side and we give it all to Him. But to put ourselves to the side, that's still something we do. And it's a pride thing. So it's kind of ironic. The only way that humility happens is when God shows up and He leads you through that. You ever recognize that you can't be humble on your own? When we see God for who He is, though, when He leads us to a place of humility, that's what it's saying here. That puts you under the mighty hand of God. Church, I want to be honest. I'm struggling. I struggle with this. And I've really had a struggle this week. And... uh, you know, um, 
Sometimes you just feel the weight of the world on you, don't you? Am I alone? Am I alone, church? Sometimes you feel the weight of the world on you. And you look out and COVID certainly don't make anything easier because then everybody's got the weight of the world on them. And so now we're trying to share that weight of the world and it's just hard. It's difficult. There's a lot of weight. And if I'm being honest with you, not in an arrogant way, but in a, a sad way, I'm pretty good at carrying weight. I, I, I don't get overwhelmed too easily. I, I don't lose my mind. I think through things. I, I, I'm calm. I don't lose my temper hardly ever. I try to communicate well, and I usually try to work things out. But you know, at the end of the day, it's me carrying the weight, and God receives no glory from that, and I'm not at peace with it. I'm sure there's some out there that's with me. I'm sure. And it's not until our eyes are placed back on him and we find that peace and we see the exaltation of the Lord. And that's a moment that I had this week. And I just want to share with you. Because I had one of these moments. I'm telling you, it feels like the weight of the world's on you. You're struggling. The weight of the world's on our church. You're struggling. The weight of the world's on my family. My family's just blowing up right now. On all sides. Now, I'm not the only one. I know there's more of us out here. I'm just sharing my story with you, if that's okay. And I had a moment of, of just breaking down on Friday night. And I was just in my office. and I, You know, um, I'm kind of the voice of reason and wisdom in my family. That's, uh, and there's been some stuff where some kids have been removed in my family due to CPS, rightfully so. And, and there's just so much brokenness on so many levels. And... And I try to stay strong, and I try to hold strong, and, and there was a moment, though, I, I realized I was carrying the strength, and my whole childhood started to flash through my mind. I don't know if you've ever had those moments. Literally just started flashing through my mind, and, and I just got so overwhelmed. I thought about all that, that I was surrounded by as a kid. And then I, I looked at all my cousins, those that I love so much, all my family, my cousins, my brothers, my family, my mom, my dad, all of them, my, my stepdad, I, I looked at them all, and I just thought about where they are today. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I've shared with you before, just about every one of my cousins literally have no teeth or they're in jail due to drugs. And I thought about being surrounded by that, and the brokenness just overwhelmed me. And then I, I realized that there was some anger inside of me. And I told you, I'm one that doesn't get angry. But I felt it for the first time in, in a long, long time. I was angry at my brother and I was angry at some of my family. And, and I just lost it. Because I said, Lord, I'm carrying this and I need your help. Save me. And all of a sudden, I found myself right back at my seat there in my office on Friday night. And I realized I was surrounded by God's grace. Thought about our church family and the blessing that our church family is. And I thought about my wife and the beautiful wife she is and the supportive wife she is. And I thought about the calling of pastoring and ministry and the, the fostering that's coming alive and all the things. And I just, all of a sudden, I felt so overwhelmed by God's mighty hand being over me and the grace of God. But then I started feeling guilty. I don't deserve that. 
I started looking out and I thought about my cousins again and my family and where they are. Why, Lord, help them see that grace. And I was so broken, I just started bawling. And I don't cry at church very often. But I lost it and I just started bawling because I realized that His mighty hand was over me. But I also realized that I wanted His mighty hand over those I love. Church, that's what Sunday nights are all about, is praying for God's mighty hand to be over the families of our church. That's what we're trying to do as we burden, carry these burdens with one another. We want to see God's mighty hand, His grace, alive and well. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time and cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Did you hear it? Because He cares for you, church. I pray that as you leave this place this morning, that you recognize that He cares for you. That He cares for you. With a little help from the Holy Spirit, I was reminded of Jesus' mighty, mighty hand. And that He didn't only, um, not only that He could carry my burdens, but He wanted them. He wanted me to cast them on Him. And I don't think I'm the only one that struggles. And so I wanted to do something this morning a little different. The same place that God called me to on that Friday night and the grace I felt and seen through that and then the burden even that was given for my family but a healthy burden. I want to give you an opportunity that God would place that over you. And so what I want you all to do, I want to give time for that to ponder before our mighty God that He cares for you. So I want us just to sit here and listen to the rain and think about the mighty God that's sending the rain right now. Open your palms up on your, on your lap like this as you're sitting there. And close your eyes and bow your head. And I'm having you open your palms up for a reason because we tend to keep our hands the other way and it's a way just to grab onto things and hold onto them and not let them go. This is freely saying, Lord, take it. And Lord, I pray right now, God, as we seek you and search you, Lord, Lord, that we would find you. And Lord, not only that we would find you, but Lord, you would find our burdens and our cares and our anxieties and our things that we're struggling with, them wins, Lord, and you would take them out of our hands right now, Lord. Lord, I'm just going to leave a time of quiet silence, Lord. As awkward as that is, Lord, I pray it's in that place you meet us. And let us give it to you, Lord. Lord, show up and say, I'm here, I care for you. Let it ring loud and clear in the ears of those here today. And let us ponder the mighty God that you are. Let us do that right now, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
Lord Jesus, there are some things right now in our lives that we can't handle alone, Lord, that every one of us are carrying right now, Lord, and I pray that we see the care you have for us, the love you have for us. Thank you for listening, Lord. Thank you for letting us hand them to you. Lord, in fact, uh, I pray that you just take them out of our hands, God, as we leave them open there on our laps, God. Personally, I know some in this room are dealing with health issues, God, and, and the struggles of that. Lord, be the mighty, mighty God that you are in their lives. Lord, those that are dealing with the, the fierce winds and, and the, the damage to their marriage, Lord, and their parenting and, and their kids, God, I pray for those burdens to be given to you this morning, Lord. Lord, would you take them? Would you be the mighty God, Lord? Lord, the temptations and the bad habits and the things that, that the addictions and the things that, that get us caught in and, and take our mind far from you, Lord. Lord, would you take those things? Deliver us, Lord, as we step out of the boat and we fall because of all the doubt and the struggles we have. Let us have the courage to say, Lord, save us today. May it be the very first time even, Lord, that we cry that out and you bring restoration and give us a new heart and bring salvation into our lives, God. Or whether it's the hundredth time of just being reminded of the Savior that you are, Jesus. Lord, as we sing this invitation, Lord, as we, Dwayne leads this song, God, and we sing it to you, Lord, may we respond this morning by continually giving it all to you because you care for us. Whether that's doing it at the altar, sitting at the seats next to the cross, sitting in the pew and still leaving our hands open, or standing and singing as loud as we can, whatever it may be, Lord, however you desire us to respond, Lord Jesus, may we respond this morning to the Holy Spirit and recognize the mighty, mighty God that you are. If we need to pray with one another, Lord, help us grab each other and pray. If they need to come and talk with me, Lord, I'm here, I'm ready to talk with them, and I'll lead them to the wonderful counselor that you are, Lord, and show them your mightiness. Lord, we love you and we're so grateful, God, for the God that you are. Thank you for this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Hear the angels sing.
Say. Mm-hmm. 